Futures Radio Show, sponsored by CME Group, the world's leading and most diverse futures and options exchange. CME Group's markets help individuals and businesses around the world effectively manage risk. For access to free educational tools and resources for the active individual trader, please visit activetrader.cmegroup.com. Every day, traders and investors dive in to tackle the ever-changing markets to find opportunity. Futures Radio Show is your number one source for answers to the questions that all market participants want to ask. Veteran futures trader Anthony Crudelli sits down with the most influential leaders and top traders in the industry. Now, here's your host, Anthony Crudelli. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for this episode with Bill Baruch. Remember, new shows are posted on Mondays and Thursdays. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes and YouTube. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Before I play today's interview for you, I want to give a shout out to the great sponsors of Futures Radio Show. CME Group, Trading Technologies, FTSE Russell, RJO Futures, and Top Step Trader. To learn more about these sponsors and the important things they are doing for Futures Traders, be sure to click on their logos on FuturesRadioShow.com. Today I spoke with the president of Blue Line Futures, Bill Baruch. Bill and I discussed the importance of learning the futures business before you begin trading, how he goes about his slow and steady approach to trading futures, explains his technical and fundamental process, and last but not least, how he day trades around his longer term core positions. So without further ado, let me take you right to the interview with Bill. Bill, how'd you get involved in futures? Back in college, uh, my roommate and, and his father were, were preaching about gold, and it, and it woke me up. I, at the time, was, was doing some stock picking with my dad, and, and we started talking about gold, and we, we jumped into gold. And uh, you know, I loved the way the futures moved, loved the way uh, just getting involved in, in a commodity. And uh, you know, gold had, ended up having a great stretch, but at that time in college, uh, I was coming out of college that afterwards and working at a, a investment investment bank, and it was it's more the slow, monotonous work, especially coming out of college and being in an investment bank. But um, you know, from there, I, I really wanted to be in front of the screen, wanted more of a thrill in the day to day activity. And um, I was in Baltimore there, and I took a interview out in Chicago at Lynn Waldock, and, and really the rest is history. So moved from Baltimore to Chicago, took a job at Lynn Waldock. That's where I started too, and, and many of my uh, trader friends also started at Lynn Waldock. So let's fast forward a little bit. Talk to us about what you were doing at Lynn Waldock and a little bit about what you're doing right now with uh, Blue Line Futures. Okay. Yeah, I, I had uh, taken a job as a, a junior broker there, and lucky, luckily I, I had uh, been was assigned to work under a uh, somebody that loved gold as well, somebody that had a lot of experience in the in the business, somebody that had made a uh, a good transition from uh, being a a floor broker into uh, you know looking at the screens, understanding the technicals behind the screens, and um, I was able to learn a lot from him, and it, it put me in a good space to to move up within Lind Waldock, and Lind Waldock became MF Global. I was running my own desk there. And when AMF Global had had collapsed, I had was able to to leave and start a, a company with with a partner of mine. Um, but moving into Blue Line Futures, I, I was at that partnership and in, heading into 2017. And my, my wife was nine months pregnant at the time, and I, I told her I, I'm starting my own company. I had a vision of, of 
the way I wanted to get my message to clients, the way I wanted to be able to, uh, you know, work and build uh, a company. And uh, she gave me her blessing, nine months pregnant and all. And I, uh, you know, the um, two years ago, so started Blue Line Futures. And, you know, we're, we're growing. We're, uh, I love every minute of it. And, and uh, you know, I think the, the future is extremely bright. So now you're a broker and a trader. I'm curious, what was the... The biggest thing you took from working at a broker before you started the trade? I, I was I would see, you know, I, it was nice to be able to young be young and learn uh, what a lot of the people are doing, a lot of seeing a lot of different strategies that are out there. Uh, again, I, I was I was very lucky to be under somebody that that had a process of his own. Um, but as well, seeing a, a lot of what clients had done, and one of the things that always kept seeing more and more was obviously people taking a lot of leverage early in, in, in their account and, and over leverage in their account, which was cause a quick demise uh, or people that had deep pockets that, that would sit through moves and be wrong for a very long time and continue to send and continue to send more money uh, being a little too over leveraged as well as part of it. But, but sitting through moves for a very long time with no protection uh, or, or no stop and, and sending money. And, and then eventually the market would turn and, and they would see that, uh, that it would, it would work out for them. Uh, it, it would instill a, a belief that the market would always work out for them. But, uh, everybody knows that, that this, uh, you know, you can only dodge bullets for so long. So understanding a, a risk management strategy became something that I really wanted to walk away and I took away with. Yeah. That, that's why I believe it's so important to either work in the industry before you begin to trade or do extensive education, sit back and watch the markets for a little bit, watch other people trading the markets, because that's a big lesson that you learned. And I know from talking to you a little bit, your process now is really the slow and steady approach. And in conversations that we've had in the past, you said, you know what, one of the things you focus on is you don't have to be right right now. Yes. Talk, talk to us about your process. I like to look at it as, again, you don't have to be right right now. Uh, people, you know, we have a wide range of clients here at, at uh, Blend Futures. And again, you still see, I still see it to this day, people over leveraging, people not taking it, you know, in, in not planning out very well. And that's, you know, your, your, your account's a business. You got to have that plan. Uh, so one of the ways I like to, I personally trade and one of the ways I try to instill on in my clients as well is, is to not over leverage. For instance, I'd like to use the example of a hundred thousand dollar account using two or three contracts. And, and by going that route, you don't have to be right today. You don't have to be right tomorrow either. Um, you have to understand where your threshold of pain is and, and how much you want to risk on the trade. And, and you, you want to, you, you do want to be able to, uh, get, get, uh, you know, have that management, style always you know how much are you risking on one trade um sort of move through on each trade and you're, you're being consistent with it but um another way too is is if you're not over leveraging you're only using two or three contracts per hundred grand and and you can always use protection on those uh one of the trades that really stood out to me uh one of the things i really like to look at uh, and in my process is the commitment of traders and, and where is that the supply demand uh technicals are so I, I, last year, you know, gold, you, it, it went uh, a net short and managed money net short, which is very rare for, for gold. And that was a great buy signal. But at the time, you know, gold was, 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 
felt like it was free falling. It was a little bit of a bottoming process, but would that next leg be down? There was a number of, of conflicting fundamentals. Was, was the Chinese yuan going to weaken further? Was that going to drive gold? Uh, was the Fed going to tighten policy further? Was that going to drive gold lower? What was the catalyst that turned gold ultimately? Um, but if you, you know, if you wanted to step in gold when it was when it was below twelve hundred, uh, you know, ultimately you, you could always use some sort some sort of protection. So if you weren't in, if you had a hundred thousand dollar account and you were buying gold and using uh, puts to protect it, you didn't have to be right today. You didn't have to be right tomorrow. You you, you had to. Give yourself a, a, a decent time frame, whether that be 30 days or 45 days, to see your trade play out, manage the risk. At some point, if gold did go lower, where's your where's your tap out point? And like I said a, a minute ago, to be consistent with your trades in, in that and how much you are risking. And another one too was was the treasuries. And I, I pushed that one to the brink with with myself and, and clients, uh, but but was the, the uh, leverage net short position in, in treasuries is, I mean, it's still to this day, uh, just a record, basically. It's, it's a massive net, net short position. I'm extremely surprised that even after such a rally over the past year, that it, it's still such a net short position right now. But overall, that net short position, you know, for me it was, I'm a, I'm a believer that rates are lower for longer uh, over a long period of time. And I, I, I did think that, as the 10-year approach to that 3% threshold, the three and a quarter threshold, it was a tremendous fade uh, on the yield side and a tremendous buy on the, on the price side. So looking at those, you know, we didn't know where it was going to stop and where that bottom was going to be. So one of this, it was a great strategy to be able to use uh, puts to protect it as you, we built a position, whether it be some people in the 10 years, myself, uh, or the 30 years. And and then wait for that wait for it to turn and and obviously it turned I mean it hasn't looked back really since that Octobering uh, October bottoming uh, and turn uh, of last year I remember I remember uh, you know I was at the Ryder Cup with with my dad uh, last year and those, those are some of the days that early and it was in it was outside of Paris at the time and those are some of the days that that uh, the treasury were putting that low in and I had to go get connectivity that morning to make sure you know I, 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 everything was okay uh, position size wise and, and uh, protection wise to the downside um, but you know it, it worked out and it, I didn't have to be right that day and it, and it took 30 to 60 days to find that thing to, to bottom and it ended up being probably the best trade of the year I definitely um, you know gold ended up performing fairly well as well but um, not having to be right right now gives you a lot of flexibility in your trading strategy. I agree. There's a couple of things I want to talk about. I think this is a great process for new traders. Uh, you don't have to use the leverage. I mean, this is one of the major reasons why I was so excited to see the micros come. Cause I think that not everybody could come in as you use an example, a hundred thousand dollar account. Not everybody will have that. So now if they have a smaller account, they can use the micros. And I think yes. by, for, for new traders, by having the attitude, you don't have to be right right now, it, it lowers expectations. Because I think expectations when traders come in to, uh, to trade futures right away are, are just too high, I think. Absolutely. They get them into a lot of trouble. And I also think it takes a lot of pressure off. It extends their time in the business, which is extremely important. And so I let's talk specifically about some of the technicals that you use. I, I like to start off looking at it daily. I mean, as somebody who takes a more fundamental approach on, on the long term, and, and again, my, my fundamental approach is where do I expect things the, the next three months? How do I think they're going to play out? Um, and really, you know, how is that going to drive the next three to five percent of the market? Uh, from there, 
does the do the technicals confirm that? Do the supply to demand technicals? Does the commitment of traders, you know, allow um, for you know the, the market to for positioning for people? You know, if everybody's already bought, who's left to buy? If everybody's already sold, who's left to sell? So, does the does the commitment of traders encourage that path of least resistance, or does or would it, will it act like a headwind? And that's one of the places that that I start. Um, and then from there, I, I just like to keep things very simple and technicals. I mean, on the daily chart, where's the 50-day moving average and where's the 200-day moving average? Is there momentum? Um, you know, be, is the 50-day below the market and is the 200-day below that? And, and is this going to help basically bring a tailwind to the market? Um, you know, from there, uh, where would that resistance come in if that's if that is a tailwind? Are we seeing a retracement level in a certain area? Is there a previous breakdown or volume pocket that's going to act like it? Um, so again, I, I keep I try to keep things very simple. If I start getting more more micro into the 30 minute and hourly charts, uh, I'm looking at more specifically, you know, for the S&P, where are the previous gaps? Where are some of the volume pockets? Where where did other news come out that was very significant that that caused spikes in volumes? And I again, I keep things very simple. Some of the retracements levels as just targets, um, because I, I think time and time again you do see retracement levels. At least if not. You know, reverse the market, at least just stop a market, install a market for a bit. So you start off with the fundamental theme, right? That's what it sounds yes. like. You have a theme as to where you think the fundamentals are going to take a market or should take a market. And then you go to your technicals and it sounds like you're using pretty basic stuff and you're primarily using a daily chart. Yeah, I started a daily chart and then I'll work down to an hourly and a 30 minute. But but I'm looking at the daily chart to understand where where the market has been and where is, where could it be going. Let's go over a recent trade example. Take us from the point of determining fundamental analysis, then going to the charts and then pulling the trigger on a trade. OK, so if if um, I mean, I think one of the best examples Outside of if you wanted, if you really want to get long term approach on things, one of the best examples right now is what we're seeing here at the end of August develop in the S&P. You got extremely strong resistance. And, and we've had this as our major three star level on, on our research for clients. But it's twenty nine thirty two to twenty nine forty four. And that we've had that since the breakdown. And not only that, you have the 50 day moving average coming in up there. Uh, and if we were to close out above there, I mean, you'd have to be long. Uh, even if you were bearish fundamentally in the market, there's going to be a, a tremendous tailwind behind that. In the same way that we do have the 200 moving average and a lot of support down 2811 uh, and, and 2800, and it, and it would you would think that if we start closing down below that we, some of those lows, we're going to be breaking down and it could get ugly. Not only that, we're starting to see, you know, what are some where's the market been in the past and where's the market. Uh, where could it go now? And you're seeing some of those similar chop back and forth in this in this range, similar to what we saw in October and December. The the way that that we we saw a ceiling develop previously in October uh, last year, and, and then November, and there was that triple top. Um, we're and but it was never really breaking down. The range was larger, but a very similar similar back and forth and, and ricocheting between those support and resistance areas. Um, so we're we're seeing that we've seen it before just recently where you get this thing going back and forth and there's going to be a directional move. Um, you know, I, I think planning for that again, you, you don't, you don't even have, you don't have to have a trade on right now. You don't always have to be in the market either. So planning on something like that, planning on that move, are we going to break out above that resistance level, 2930, 2940, or are we going to break down below 2800 and, and looking to capture whatever tailwind from that you can. And then it, once you get that tailwind, 
um, then you can start getting more micro on it. You can start getting at where are some of the levels. And, and I mean, I, I find myself sometimes, you know, I'm not afraid to, to trade a little smaller time frame if I find myself in a trade. Going back to the bond trade of, of last year, uh, you know, battling a bit with with some protection on on a core position of futures. Yeah, there's certainly days that that the market feels like it's going to it's going to bottom out and it's going to turn. And there's trading opportunities with within that. But uh, I like to look at things with it with a core position that I don't have to be you know, you don't have to be right right now. But as well, you can take a look at, at you know, adding a contract or two per that hundred thousand on an interday or, or a two day time frame with it with a stop on there and, and being able to know that this feel very confident because you're you're really focused on the direction of this market and this is the, all you're looking at and all you're trading right now hey everybody i want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors footsie russell they are a leading global provider of benchmarks analytics and data solutions the russell 2000 index is a key benchmark for small cap u.s stocks be sure to check out the e-mini russell 2000 index futures Contract symbol RTY. For more information on FTSE Russell and their products, please visit FTSERussell.com. I want to focus a little bit more on the execution. Um, so I get an overall idea of what you're looking at. Like we said, fundamental theme. Then you go to your daily charts, see if it fits in with your fundamental theme. If it does, then you might narrow the time frame down a little bit, and then you'll go in and you'll trade at some levels that you have. Mm -hmm. You mentioned to me that you really look for the next three to 5% move. So I'm curious, how are you determining a stop? Is it one-to-one? -one? Uh, and also um, talk to us about targets and a little more info on how you use options. I think stops, you want to be able to align what you're looking at. You want it to make sense. So I mean, I've seen people before, and, and, and I, I have no problem as well reiterating to, to clients, too, in, in using a stop that's an exact amount of money. But at the same time, too, you also want to make sure you're not, not leaving yourself to, to get chopped, too. I mean, you have to have some sort of, uh, you know, you, you want to have some reasoning behind the madness, and I guess you could say. Um, you know, but, but I, I like using protection in the market. So if, if you are, if, if you are, Buy, like again with the, the gold trade last year or the, or the the treasury trade you're you are buying against a uh, for that longer term reason but you're also uh, protecting it with with puts so you know where you know you're able to mentally give yourself more room than you typically could knowing that okay you, you have a 20 or 30 delta put on that's going to increase in value as it gets as, as if you're wrong, and then it's going to it's going to also cover a chunk of that loss too. So you plan for that, and I think ultimately, uh, if you're looking at something like a $2,500 uh, risk per contract, and you're you again you have a $100,000 account, and you're doing two or three contracts, but you and you feel confident that you can cover a third of that loss, and, and the options that you may have in a longer term time frame, um, you know, you at least have you have a process there, and not only so. Um, some of the, there could really be crucial levels outside within that, within that $2,500 risk per contract area that you don't need to sit through it just to wait for something to break down. Something, I mean, especially in such a headline driven day can change on a daily basis that may, that, that you, that's why you put research out every day that even though we're not, we may, we may not doing something in that market each day, but there's new news, there's new developments, there's new things changing that, you know, you you have you can't just wear blinders to to trade just because you're in a trade. And I always tell clients, and I always try to remind myself that 
just because you're in something doesn't mean you need to stay in it. And, and you're, it's okay to be wrong. I mean, how long, it's just a matter of how long you stay wrong. So that's, that's one of the things that, it, that you want to incorporate. So if you get into a trade and you're eyeing, okay, this is how much I'm going to risk on it. I'm going to risk 5% of my portfolio on this trade um, you know, or 3% of my portfolio on this trade. But you don't have to sit there and be in it and wait to be wrong for 5% knowing that for the last several days this market is just breaking down and going against you. Yeah, it's okay to be wrong. It's not okay to stay wrong. So it sounds to me with your slow and steady approach, a big part of your execution is low leverage and then use options as well. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think if, if you're honest with yourself, you can really have a hard mental stop of where you'd want to be out of the market if it, if it broke. But at the same time, uh, that option gives you the little that gives you the, the leeway to be more patient with the trade to come to fruition. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of times I also like to look at a closing level. A lot of time, a market will go down intraday somewhere, but it's not closing down there. So that's that's something I think is very important too: is, is seeing where the market closes. And and you may have a what I we use three stars for our levels here, and you may have a three star support level uh, that's well ahead of where your mental stop would be uh, if it happened intraday. But you're you're able to to let it uh, close below there. And, and then and your, your options making some money back for you. And, and then you're, and you say, uh, this isn't working. I, I want to get out of it. Uh, you can be wrong, uh, you know, before that, before some of the bigger levels are breached, something can change. I think that that's important to really to recognize and be honest with yourself. Can you talk to us a little bit more about how you're using the options market? Uh, you know, for example, if you're long, are you just buying puts? What puts are you buying? How far out are you going? Are you rolling those those uh, options out? Uh, just talk to us a little bit about that process. Well, you want to give yourself, like I said, you don't have to be right right now, but but you do want to give yourself a time frame. I mean, is, is that time frame 45 days? Is it time 60 days? Is that time frame, you know, 30 days? Ultimately, you want to define your, your, your time frame because if you, you have to be right with, within some point, but it does not have to be right now. And, you know, from there, uh, you want to look at an option that gives you enough value in that time frame. And then after that, you want to find something that's going to be uh, somewhere in the ballpark of a 30 delta. It, that way you're cutting your, your loss by a third. Not, and on top of that, you're also, uh, you know, as it goes against you, it's going to be picking up too. So it, I think that's also important. That's, you know, generally speaking, because there's going to be different time frames you're using that are going to cost different uh, different amounts as well, uh, and and when things when things rally your way, and I'm using using the word rally because because I mentioned treasuries and gold in my mind right now, but uh, if something were rallying your way and you have two or three contracts on, uh, what's to say you can't sell a call against one of them? I mean, and, and bring in some of that money to cover some of that premium, uh, or roll up uh, you know some something in into that. So ultimately. You know, I think there's a way to be able. To, I, I want to stay in in the market for for a while. If you're going to be risking that, uh, you know, $2,500 a contract, or which hopefully would be in the be less because you're coming to terms with the fact that the trade is wrong. But if you're if you're risking that, uh, you want to be able to stay in a trade for a while. You want to be able to give yourself the staying power and, and catch that move. I mean, look what gold has done this year. And I mean, we're we're out of 1550. I mean, it's. Uh, it's been a, a really heck of a move. If you're able to stay with stuff and let the trend and, and just ride the trend, you know those $2,500 risk per contract 
I mean, they become nothing if you're if you buy gold for one hundred fifty dollars. I think we all understand now how you go about your slow and steady approach using options and futures. And one thing I'm curious about, you mentioned earlier about looking at the lower time frames and doing some intraday trading. So once you have this core position on, are you trading intraday around these core positions? Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're, you know, I, I'm not sitting here, no, and no one really is, or no one really should too, but you're not sitting here trading 10 different markets at once. You have different things in your radar. But when I get entrenched in, in a certain trade, which last year, you know, gold and treasuries was really a lot of my focus, you know, for the, for, it's really still into this year, um, is you, you're, you're just know, you, you begin to know that market is moving. It's like the back of your hand on a daily basis. And, and even though I don't really want to be trading a short time frame, you, you end up seeing opportunities that present themselves. And that's where, you know, being patient and, and being strategic, some of those lower time frames, even if it's not your major focus, you're going to find a $10 swing in gold or, uh, or at least you're going to, you can jump into something and, and have a little more of a, of, of a well-defined stop for a shorter term risk on it because you're, because you're now in this, you have this core position in the trade, and you're and you're watching it, and, and you and uh, you're catching, hopefully catching a a, a wave, and you're, you're letting the momentum play out. Yeah, I mean, what's happening with you? It sounds as though you have your fundamental bias, you have the technicals to either prove or disprove your fundamental bias. Then you have your position on that you don't have to be right right now, and Correct. then. You look at the shorter time frames while you're carrying this position and all of a sudden it, you know, an opportunity comes up intraday and you're like, Hey, you know what? I, I could actually trade this and you're just going to trade with that same bias that you had because now you have price opportunity uh, to trade in the shorter term, but it doesn't impact that longer term position. And yes. what I like about that is it creates patience in between day trades because you have something on, right? You've got skin yep. in the game and where you think the market's going. And then when the market gets back to an area that you feel is really important, you could go ahead and trade and put some risk on there again. And you're not forcing stuff in between there. At least that's the goal, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, no, I love it. Great stuff, Bill, but we're not done yet. We have rapid fire questions next. If you're ready for those. Yep, I'm ready. All right, everybody. Our rapid fire segment is sponsored by Trading Technologies. Trade the global markets with TT. They are the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform. Now with integrated tools for advanced options trading, cryptocurrencies, and trade surveillance. You can try it now for free at tryttnow.com. Bill, first question for you. What traders influenced your life the most and why? It may sound cliche, but... David Tepper, uh, it really stood out to me in September 2010. It was more of the comments. Obviously, he's had a lot of success, but the comments he made in September 2010 amidst uncertainty and volatility in the market, and he was on CNBC, and he said stocks are going to go higher because the Fed a combination or, or good fundamentals. And it really gave me – it really started to invigorate my look into the perception of the market and how the market can move on perception. And not only that, tying it in, I mentioned earlier, supply and demand technicals. Um, I think a lot of that uh, works together. He, those comments had a great impact in the way I look at the market. What was one of the hardest things for you to overcome in trading? I had uh, a CTA back in 2014 and, uh, you know, 
coming out of MF Global, I had a lot of success. I've talked about gold for a long time, and gold had that first move up to 1900. I had a lot of success for myself and, and clients uh, as well. And it really felt like it was, I was on top of the moon uh, as well. I, I started a CTA in 2014. And these are these are six figures amount of money we're talking about. I was able to go up 100 percent, and and for in the first year, uh, I felt like I you know nothing could stop me. Uh, but I, I didn't feel like my you know I, I I came to the realization my process wasn't wasn't right. And when August 2015 rolled around, my risk wasn't right. I got away from some of the things that had been working because I was too confident in myself. Um, so I was extremely naive, and and you know I took. Uh, took a, a hit, you know, the, the CTA, uh, was again, it was up hundred percent in the first year. Uh, but overall we took some, took a 25% drawdown and it took a couple swings on, on things and put the CTA to rest. But ultimately it was a wake up call to me that I needed to get my process better, uh, and be able to, uh, you know, realize how naive I was. How has your trading process evolved over the years? Now, I, I think, you know, early on, when I talked about wanting that thrill uh, and coming, you know, into the futures and commodities markets, I, I, I wanted to be a short-term trader. I wanted to be able to, you know, just you know, trade these small time frames and small pockets. Uh, and and I did do that, you know, early on. But as as I've described, you know, my my development, especially the CTI I just mentioned, you know, had really it's really encouraged my development into not having to be right right now. So I've gone from looking at that five minute chart and and then double checking that five minute against the thirty minute, and now I'm more that that top down. What's my fundamental approach to the, on the larger larger theme I'm looking at, and then work down into the technicals uh, from there. So it's that's where how I've moved over the years. What is one attribute you believe every trader should have? Patience. There's no question about it. You need, you need patience. Favorite book about trading? Now, it's not necessarily my favorite book, but it's, it's, been, it's had a great impact this year, is uh, Thinking in Bets, Annie Duke. And she talks about admitting that you don't know something. And I think that's, there's, there's a lot of uh, it, 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 it very impactful words. Uh, you know, so... You know, I, I th in, in there talked about not knowing and admitting and you don't know something and, and how enlightenment can come from that. So I, I think it, it's I use that not only in trading and, and being able to admit that I don't know something, but life as well and family and friends admitting, you know, and I think our day and age admitting you don't know something is, is shunned upon. Uh, so I, I think it, that's had a good impact on me this year. If you had to pick a profession other than trading, what would it be? Farming. You know, I, I um, you know, from pushing numbers around a screen and, you know, for you know, better part of my life, I, I'd like to be able to look back and, and know that I contributed something to my community and had a larger impact. What's the best piece of advice that you received about trading? It's okay to be wrong. It's just a matter of how long you stay wrong. And that goes back to some of the things that I, I saw at, um, you know, working at MF Global and seeing some of the, the, the clients there that could just sit through moves and, and be wrong for very long periods of time. Uh, it was something that, that uh, mistakes I made in 2015, mentioning that CTA in August. So I, I think that's one of the biggest things is it's okay to be wrong, but how long you're staying wrong, that's where it matters. If you could give a piece of advice to the younger you, what would it be? It's something that uh, has really stood out to me this year and, and started learning more about last year is, is option skew. So not only using options to hedge futures bets, but really trying to find opportunities in the option skew. 
I, I think that that's something that I wish I had learned 10 years ago uh, and have been able to master by now. But I think that's definitely uh, a great compliment to any portfolio. If you had an elevator pitch me your edge in trading, what would you say? As we mentioned, the top-down fundamental approach on things and being able to be patient, look at you know the, the larger picture. Uh, that's that's where I, I think I you know I, I capitalize the most on uh, top-down, strong fundamental bias. Uh, what are your risk parameters and not having to be right right now? Last question for today. Favorite thing to do when you're not working? Well, in a family, I got, I got two young daughters, uh, two under two, and uh, you know, they're a blessing to come home to and everything. But uh, so I don't have a time to do a whole lot else. But uh, you know, golf, I haven't played much for, but I, I love golf and I love uh, getting a run in or going to the gym and lift weights. So that's, that's what I'll do. I'm not, a, not at the desk here. Where can people find you on social media and give us a website to check out? Well, bluelinefutures.com. Is, is our website and on social media. My Twitter is at Bill underscore Baruch. That's B-A-R-U-C-H. Um, you can find us, find us there. We put our content up online uh, on our website all the time. We're updating things as well. Bill, thank you so much for joining me on Futures Radio Show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for myself or my guests, please visit futuresradioshow.com and sign up to be a premium member for free. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes.